to the Monday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and I hope you had a great day of worship yesterday. I know we did, and man, it was good. We got to speak of hidden agenda. And there's no hidden agenda today, man. We you know we left yes uh, yesterday closing out Mark and the resurrection of Jesus. Today, we start Luke, and Luke is a physician who gets a lot of his word straight from the disciples and from the people he interviews. And you got to think how detailed physicians can be. So he gives us a very detailed intro to the birth of Jesus. And not only Jesus, but John the Baptist. And what's really good about Luke's Version. Now, we have to read Matthew and Luke to get the whole Christmas story. But Luke actually goes into the immaculate conception of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist obviously is not conceived directly of the Holy Spirit, but it takes an immaculate work of God for... Zechariah and Elizabeth to conceive because they're old. And that's kind of how this whole Luke 1 starts because today we're in Luke 1 and 2. It's all about these two amazing conceptions, the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. Now, it gets through Jesus getting into his 12th year, but this is good stuff, and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's really good. Uh, I want to put a plug in real quick for what we're doing. This is the Daily Walk Bible. It's available on Amazon, and it's the NLT version. It's kind of orangish looking. If you go to Facebook, you can find the Daily Walk group. And on there is a help video for how to read through this. Because if you get the paperback, you got to know to look for the little men. If you get the ebook, it's real cut and dry because it's dated. And what it does is every day you just look at the date you're on, like today. We are October 16th, and you just read what's up for that day, and it's super good. It gives you a preface on what we're going to be reading about, gives you a little intro with a little explanation, and then we get right into it, and it's good. It never gives us more than we can handle, and on the seventh days, 7, 14, 21, 28, we get a catch-up day, a little catch-up and a little review, so... Uh, that's why we don't do a podcast on that day, because we just give you that day to, to catch up. So, 
without further ado, let's get right into this. And Luke 1 starts off with Luke telling Theophilus, hey, I'm, I, I did my research. This is what I got, and I want to give you this information firsthand, okay? So he gets into the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they were righteous in God's eyes. I highlighted that because he, Luke says righteous in God's eyes. He doesn't say religious. I would put that in there because that, that is huge. Righteous has a big difference than religious. Remember, Jesus talks a lot and chastises a lot of the religious leaders. Religious just means you do things through routine, but righteous means you have a heart for God. And I, I think we got to keep that mindset, you know. I can religiously take the garbage out on Thursdays because that's when the garbage man comes. I can religiously make sure I'm up every day to get my kids to school because that's routine. I can religiously get my dog out in the morning so that they have a chance to do what they got to do. But to be righteous means that I am in a good relationship with the Father. And I, I really like that he used that word there. Because to this point, the word Christian isn't even thought of yet. And we won't get to that till we get to Acts. Which, by the way, Luke writes Acts as well when we get to that. So he points out that Zechariah and Elizabeth were really righteous in God's eyes. And they were always careful to obey all his commandments. And yet they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and now they're very old so now you see why this is going to be an immaculate conception through the work of God so Zechariah was a priest he's in the temple doing his priestly duties and he's in there praying when all of a sudden an angel appears and it's probably Gabriel because Gabriel's the angel of information and <laughs> he tells him, hey, don't be afraid, because that kind of shakes Zechariah. I mean, all of a sudden, there's a guy standing to the right of the altar. Here's what I want to point out. All through the Bible, if we watch when there's good things happening, it's on the right Think about Matthew 24 when Jesus separates the goats from the lambs. The lambs are on the right. The goats are the ones that he sends off to hell. The lambs are on the right. Everything that's good happens on the right. So just put I'm just putting that out there to you. You know, I used to teach EMS and I always had these little ways for people to remember things and this just kind of hit me because that would be one of my little quirks on how to remember things and so the angel tells him hey don't be afraid i want to tell you something you're going to have some really great joy and gladness and you're going to be happy because your wife's going to have a son 
but your son, you you have to name him John. And many people will be glad, any people, many will rejoice, for he's going to be great in the eyes of the Lord. He can never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He's because he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. Now you take that and tell me what living in a, a life with the Holy Spirit means. And I'll just move on from there. He's going to be filled with the spirit and power of Elijah. Woo, that's good stuff. He's going to prepare the way for the coming Lord. He'll turn hearts of their fathers and children against their children and cause the rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. That's good stuff. So people that used to know it all are going to be humbled and come to know Jesus because they realize it's not about me anymore. That's really good. That's how we get sometimes. We finally get humbled and we figure out, hey, maybe I don't know it all and I need you, Jesus, because it's evident by my track record that I can't do it myself and we ask Jesus into our life. That was me. <laughs> and so he says, I'm the angel Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, the one who sent me to bring you this good news. Because Zacharias says, hey, wait, 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 wait. How am I going to be sure this will happen? Because I'm an old man. So Gabriel says, since you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to speak now until the child's born. <coughs> See, he should have known because he's a he's a priest. He's been teaching this. He's, he should have known that this was coming because it's been prophesied all along. And he's one that's been righteous in God's eyes, always seeing. And if God says it's going to happen, then it's going to happen, which we're going to get to here in a minute. So Zechariah's in the sanctuary for a long time. When he comes out, the people figure he's seeing a vision, and he comes out and he can't speak, right? So when he comes out, he returns home to his wife. And lo and behold, soon afterwards, she becomes pregnant. So she goes into seclusion for five months. And her words are how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. What a blessing. So then the scene shifts, and we go to uh, Mary's calling, okay? And this is in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And Angel Gabriel goes to Nazareth in the village of Galilee. All right? So we got to keep those two in mind because, you know, Jesus, we know, is called the Nazarene. We know that he's from Galilee because we get that from the other two Gospels we've already read. And he goes to a virgin named Mary, all right? Luke points that out really good. And he says there, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So Mary's, like, startled. She's confused. 
And he says, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And then he tells her, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. But then Mary says something similar to what Zechariah does, but she says it differently, all right? She says, how can this happen? I am a virgin. All right, so why did she not get retribution? You know, Zechariah now can't speak because he questioned it, but Mary asks it the same way. Here's the thing. Zechariah should have known, should have understood, because he's been in it. He's old. He understands it. Mary is a teenager. Mary is youth. Remember, Jesus said you got to have the innocence of a youth. So she's like, I don't understand. I've never been with anybody. I'm a virgin. How's this going to happen? You know, she's freaking out because she's thinking, what are people going to say? I'm engaged to somebody else. What are my parents going to think, you know? And how's this going to happen? Because I'm betrothed to Joseph. I don't want to be with someone else. All this stuff's got to run through her mind real quick. Remember, the enemy, Satan, is still lurking. And so Gabriel just gives her a calming sense. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, it will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And so you got to figure he calms her with that. You don't have to be with anybody else. You don't have to be with nobody. You're going to stay with Joseph. Everything is good. This is going to happen without anybody touching you because the hand of God is going to be on you through the Holy Spirit. It's just going to happen. Can you imagine that? That's what a miracle is. I talked about that a little yesterday at church. It's just going to happen. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know how it's going to happen. It just happens. And, of course, we know it did, right? And he says, nonetheless, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. See, I can do anything I want to do because I am God, basically is what he's saying for God. People used to say she's barren, but now she's conceived a son is in her sixth month. Here's what you have to know and remember all the time if you're praying and for something or for someone. Luke one thirty seven. write it down, print it, learn it, for the word of God will never fail. That's highlighted in my Bibles, Bibles, plural. I know this verse. You got to learn this, for the word of God will never fail. If the Lord has led you somewhere and he's told you he's going to do something, it will never fail. No matter how long it should tarry from Habakkuk, you got to know that if the Lord told you, it's not going to fail. And I'm telling you, I've seen the Lord promise come through more than once in my life. And it's just a short life since I've given my life back to the Lord. And it never fails. 
So remember that, Luke 1, 37, the word of God never fails. And so when Mary hears that, here's her response. She's calm now. Doesn't mean her mind's not running, but there's, she's calm now. And her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And when the, when the angel gets that, He's content, and he's, and that's when he leaves. So a few days later, Mary hurries off to go see Elizabeth. And when Mary gets there, just at the sound of her greeting, the child in Elizabeth, which we know as John the Baptist, leaps, you know, so it does a massive kick in the womb, right? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Woo, can you imagine that? Just the presence of the little embryo that's inside Mary, which is the Lord God himself, Jesus, the Messiah, has the power that when he gets in the vicinity of someone, Mary gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Woo. I mean, that's good stuff. And Elizabeth gives a cry and says, man, God has blessed you above all women because your child is blessed. And she's so honored to be in the presence of Mary because Mary is carrying the Holy One and she's blessed because the Lord has blessed her to have her own child. And when she's like, man, when I heard your greeting, my baby jumped and it's so good because you believed the Lord and what he said he would do. And so Mary breaks out into a song, man. She's just blessed because there are two people there. The presence is so real there. You got to feel it when you read that. You just got to sense because we already know John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is in the womb of Mary and he is the Holy Spirit. Part of the Trinity is in him. And so they have this like really... Holy Spirit encounter in that house, man, where the Holy Spirit is so real that they are just blessed beyond blessing. We can have that, and we've experienced that in our own church, people. It's so good. And that's part of the reason Jesus even comes, is so we can see that when he goes through all he goes through that we can experience that same thing these women are experiencing, and it's so good. After Mary sings, she stays there for three months. So what's that say? She was with her with Elizabeth up to the time John was born. So then the story shifts, and John the Baptist is born, and everybody wants to name him Zechariah. But Elizabeth's like, no, 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 his name is John. So then they go to Zechariah because they're like, no, you don't know. You know, so we're going to ask your husband because, you know, the man rules kind of thing. And he says, give me something to write with. So he writes on something and he writes boldly. You got to imagine this. You ever write when you're writing kind of aggravated and you write really big and he write, his name is John. And as soon as he wrote that, he could speak again. So after he could speak again, he just gives this prophecy and talks about how great it is, not about his son, but that he's, 
in the presence of the Lord. He was thankful that his voice is back. He is thankful that the presence of the Lord has been in his place, and he's going to be there. But then he gives thanks that in the presence of the Lord, his son is going to be able to go be the forerunner and be the one that prepares the path. Because in the end of that whole prophecy, he says that my little son will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way of the Lord. And he's talking about his son. And tell people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. Woo, isn't that good? He's so thankful. And in that whole th- prophecy, he's repentant of it not even believing at first anyway. So that's really cool. And then it says this, Jesus or John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. And that's chapter one. Chapter two gets into the birth of Jesus. And this is critical because we got to see where uh they had to, there was the census that made them move to Bethlehem. So they leave Nazareth of Galilee. They go to Bethlehem. But what's interesting is, you know, they get there and it says she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to them. Here's what's interesting. We take from that scripture, there's a lot of things we take from scripture and we just assume. But it says he's wrapped in, you know, swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. It doesn't say anything in there that he's in a barn or an enclosed area. I mean, he really could have been in an open field because there's mangers in open fields, right? So we have to be careful what we interject here. And then we go to the story of the shepherds because the same night of his birth is when the angels appear to the shepherds. You know, the lowly shepherds. What's this depicting? This depicts that Jesus came for the ones that no one else was looking for. He came for everybody. And the angels go to them first, the ones out in the fields that nobody's counting about, no one's looking at, no one's paying attention to. And the angels went to them first, and they tell them, because they're startled, and they say, don't be afraid. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And they tell them, you'll recognize him. You'll find him snugly wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Again, no say of he's in a barn or anything, but we always like to paint that picture. And then it says they were praising God saying, doesn't say singing, it says saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. <laughs> That's good stuff. So they hurry to the village and they find Mary and Joseph there and they, they bow to him and they do all these things and they share their story about the angels with Mary and Joseph. Isn't that cool? All of a sudden these these lowly shepherds come and they share the story on how these angels came. You know, 
you just gave birth and here a bunch of shepherds come. And they got this amazing story about how these angels just showed up. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. And what's really cool is Mary, it says Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. You know what? I, I think she took a lot of that in, probably because she was tired. Birthing is not an easy process. But also because of all that had taken place, she knew who she had birthed. And all this stuff is so amazing that it was announced by angels. So she's trying to put it all together, right? So then eight days goes by and Jesus is presented in the temple. We get the visit from Simeon who was told by the Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he got to see the Lord's Messiah. How awesome. Simeon blessed them and he told them, he told them this, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God but many will oppose him, which we've seen already in the other two Gospels, right? And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword, he's telling Mary this, a sword will pierce your very soul. Imagine how she felt. We just finished the Passion of the Christ. Imagine how she felt when she witnessed her son on the cross. And Simeon's, you know, prophesying this. He knows, but she doesn't know yet. So, wow, deep stuff. And then Anna the prophet comes. And, you know, think about this. These people are there, and they're giving, they're, they're going and on over her, her baby. And you know, people back then, before all this other stuff came about, they would want to hold him. And so they're, like, holding him, and they're, they're oohing and on over him. And then Anna comes and, you know, her husband died when she was only seven, uh, when they'd only been married seven years and uh, says she was 84. So she lived in the temple day and night, praising the Lord and praying. Can you imagine that? And so she got to see the Lord too. And she was filled with awe and she was praising the Lord. And so uh, she got to see him there. And, you know, Jesus got his circumcision done. He got his name put on when he was there. And um, he was dedicated to the Lord because he was their firstborn. And so all this takes place. And then it switches to how they go from Jerusalem because they went back to their hometown. They went back to Nazareth in Galilee, and he grew up healthy and strong. But every year they would go to Jerusalem for Passover. And when Jesus was 12, after Passover, they were going home, and they didn't realize he wasn't with them. So three days later, because they couldn't find him, can you imagine that? If that happened today, oh, my goodness. They go back and they find him in the temple. And they're questioning him. Oh, how could you do that? Could you imagine the panic today? 
And Jesus just says, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? And they didn't understand what he meant because, you know, to them, Joseph was their father. So that just shows that as Gabriel told her she would give birth to the son of God, that part now, 12 years later, has kind of been forgotten. Because when he says, my father's house, she isn't putting two and two together yet. But it says she stored all these things in her heart, Mary does. So she, this kind of jogs her mind. She gets it because she's figuring it out. Oh, wait a minute. He's, yes, Joseph is his earthly father, but he is, I remember, because he is not, this is not a normal situation. He is of God. And this is where he wants to be. Here's what, here's what this tells us, man. When we are of God, when we give our life to God, yes, we have an earthly father, but we were reconciled to our heavenly father. And that really puts a hankering in us to spend more time in his presence, in our father's house. That doesn't mean we have to be in the church 24 seven, like our prophet Anna was, prophetess, if that's a proper way to put it. But it means we're going to want to spend more time in our Father's house of presence because we draw near to him. That was my word yesterday. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. God doesn't go anywhere he's not invited. And if he's calling us, remember Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. (laughs) If he's inviting us, then why wouldn't we want to spend more time in his house? And Jesus illustrates that right here at a young age of 12. It's all coming together. So it's Monday, folks. What a great time to start. And when we go into our workplaces today, let's get our minds and our hearts in the house of our Father, our Heavenly Father, and go into our workplaces with a mindset that says, I'm going to speak Jesus in my actions, reactions, and interactions so that people see the Jesus in me. Have a great rest of your day because Jesus is alive and he loves you. Shalom. Jesus Messiah.